Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Welcome to Coached Soul. I'm Steve. I'm a licensed professional therapist here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Julia is our co-host who is a therapeutic coach. Together we talk about a variety of topics or we interview a variety of different people to give you a different perspective on life. To contact us, 918-280-8690 or www coachsoul.com. These are two ways that you can get in contact with us, not on an emergency basis, but able to help provide feedback or some topics you would like to hear on future shows. Thank you for joining us today on Coach Soul. I'm just, just thinking maybe we need some clarity for our audience to go a little deeper in what we just spoke about, about, you know, community and suicide awareness. And, and what does that mean to people who don't know? What do you, what do you think? I think we definitely, it w- I think it would be helpful if we can define what community is and how useful um, that resource can be for those that may uh, be going through some uh, high stress areas in their lives uh, or who may even be considering suicide as an option. So, yeah, I think that the, I think this would be a good start for this particular podcast. So when you think about community, you know, in my mind, let's just kind of clarify it so that we can have something to to build to off of. Yes. Yeah. When I think about community and and just in my own personal life, one's about family. But what if you don't have a sense of community within the family? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just learned that, and, and it's been validated that my mother rejected me at birth. I still have my father. I know she says she loves me, but it's in her own way. We recently text and I reached back out to her and I said, hey, let's do some healing. Let's you and I go sit down in front of a therapist and let's work this out. I haven't had no response to my request for healing. So now what do you do if you don't have a sense of community? Well, I have a surrogate mother, so to speak. My aunt, who had no children, uh, has taken me as like an adopted son. So I'm able to talk to her. So that's my new community. So family is one. Another is being involved like a church or another program that helps give you a sense of community, whether it's the school PTA for example, anywhere that you can find a way of connecting. Work can be another area, but that could be a little shady because you don't know who really to talk to who's not going to go and talk to other people within that sense of community as well. But community is a group of people who you can trust in your inner circle to really open up and talk to. A community can be a therapist, somebody that can help you. A sense of community is someone who can support you. What are your thoughts as a, from coming from a therapeutic coach? I honestly, I, when I think about community, I think about a sense of belonging. Yes. So the, whatever the avenues are, whether it's family, it's friends, it's coworkers, um, it's support groups, it's networking, I, wherever, whatever it is. 
uh, area it is, if you have a sense of belonging there, um, and that in a, a sense of acceptance, then that's a good place to start as far as defining what community may mean for you as you know, or us as individuals. Um, and, and of course, that sense of belonging actually is becomes the platform, if you will, that allows us to feel safe in discussing topics that sometimes are taboo. Um, sometimes they're really, really hard and challenging. They, they can be frightening. And, uh, and understanding that whatever or whoever you have defined as your sense of community, okay, that belonging space, um, being able to go to them and ask them if they will hold a space. I use those words a lot and I use open hands, open palms a lot. Um, Clarify for a second, yes. hold a space. Well, for me, holding the space is, is that when I, when I share this, whether I'm having a personal conversation or a professional, um, I will always ask um, for honesty. And so sometimes honesty that show that when it shows up, if a person will just say what's on their on their minds on their hearts okay and that requires a sense of trust that i'm not going to ridicule and judge them um is that whatever comes up i am not going to have an emotional response to it that it has as much value and worth to be brought up as any conversation and or any topic and um i've had individuals discuss divorces with me. I've had individuals discuss, um, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with life. I've had individuals going, I don't know how to even love my kid right now. You know, in fact, I really hate them, you know, whatever it may be, um, that when they bring that subject up, I am simply, I may not respond to it at all. I want them to have that opportunity to just spill it out mm. and get it out of their system because that's that comes back to our previous podcast when you were discussing. It's an awareness of really what's going on inside them. It's an acceptance of who they are and where they are. And they're going to expect the same for me as their coach is that, or you as their therapist, that, um, that, we were mature enough and professional enough, okay, that even internally, if we have an internal dialogue going on, it's not showing up outside. So uh, in front of our client. And so I envision um, in some of the African communities that um, I've been involved with, um, when they have a family bowl, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but you, you wash your hands and the meal is presented in a bowl mm. in the center of all the family members and you eat out of the bowl with your hands, okay? Mm. That there is a community of partaking and sharing. So when I say hold a space, that's the vision that I'm holding is that this individual has brought to me their best service, their best ability to show up, their best ability to serve what they have in that moment. And it is my responsibility and honor to be able to partake of that with them. Not trying to change it necessarily, not trying to adapt it, just initially hold a space for what's right there in between us. I want to talk a little bit about some clarification about a sense of community. When, when I say a sense of community, it could be anything. Now, 
one of the things that I've encountered is that online gaming has become a sense of community for people yes. because they're able to verbally talk. What do you think about that as a sense of community that it's almost like the movie Get Ready Player One? <laughs> it's a virtual sense of community. But how does that really help with our bodily physicality of our mindset of not having a physical presence? Well, I think I I have a son, um, my in fact, just my youngest child, and I say child as in he's now an adult, that for the longest time, I really worried about the relationships he was building online through gaming. And he is an avid gamer, let me tell you. Um, and, uh, and this, especially after the death of my husband and his dad, that he turned towards that. Now, what I will say, having now, oh, okay, this could be a little bit of a, a spot for me because I know that developmentally, that gaming doesn't necessarily, it's missing some elements that we need. Touch, right. physical interaction, okay? Uh, being able to see visual cues of the individual that you're engaging with, things along those lines that oftentimes are missing in the gaming world. On the flip side, <laughs> on the flip side, um, I am really, really impressed because some of these relationships that um, I, I've been, I've sat in the room where him and multiple gamers are on the same game and they don't have a lot of the boundaries that we have, that, that we experience in general society. It's every other cuss word. It doesn't matter what race you were involved in, what community you're involved in, what your uh, ethnic, you know, or religious beliefs are. It is open game and it's coming from all of them at the same time. And so it's interesting because I think gaming in that sense sort of becomes a, um, it doesn't have all the resistance they're playing. Okay. So it, it, a lot of the barriers that we would, there are some things that they say when they're gaming, I would never say to another person in my entire <laughs> life and to the front. I mean, I just wouldn't, I just, I think it's rude and it's open. But what I did see uh, as he has grown up that many of those individuals that he's gamed with over the years, they are now actual friends and they will go hang out and they will go to do things together and that are out in society. So it didn't necessarily have the negative consequences that my mom brain thought it would be right. you know, or that would come with it. So I think that there's a place for it. And especially in today's society, I, as things become more and more and more virtual, um, it, I think it could have a very positive influence in some areas of development and therefore being able to have a sense of community. Yes, I, I'm i not against it as the way I used to be. I will state that. Well, I, I have to do a like a car commercial. I have this disclaimer <laughs> here. This is where this disclaimer comes in, but I won't talk so fast where you can't understand it, okay? The disclaimer is this. Parents, please be involved in your child's yes. social media. Yes. Her son is an adult. We're talking about too that kids that need still to have parental supervision because you don't want to get them involved in sex trafficking, any yes. kind of 
harm that will come at them. So please, you're not being intrusive. You need to monitor to see what's going on in your child's life. Okay, disclaimer over. Okay, and I want to I want to just play on that for just a second because I am in full agreement. Now, when Lee passed away, Elijah was twelve, and I guarded him a lot. What he listened to and participated in was was very innocent in a lot of ways mm. in the beginning, um, and. Um, and I was a monitor. So I am a proponent of parents knowing what's going on in their kids' lives. You are not being intrusive. You are not being rude. In fact, um, in some legal cases, if you didn't, and I'm, this isn't to be fear-based, but I think and every state probably has some kind of rules regulating this, that if something were to go on with your child and you cannot just say, I didn't know. Okay, they there are some legal cases where they'll go, you know what, you were the uh, presiding parent and adult and therefore you were responsible for knowing and um, and just just I don't know about other parents out there, but I wanted to know what was going on in my kids lives I wanted to know who they were talking to and participating in what they're reading what they're listening to. And again, my son and I now that he's an adult he has two, we have two different levels of taste. Okay, when it comes to a lot of things, but I can hold a space for where he's at. I can honor the fact that that's what he enjoys, and I just happen to enjoy something different over here. So but that's, I know that's a sense a, of community. That is, that's exactly what it is. Is that um, in community, you're going to even even in our when we when we have our belonging space, there is still going to be contrast because we're we're individuals. So thank well, you. Well, the thing about it is, we have to learn how to accept one another even in our country is trying to be divided we have to remember we have to be a sense of community that it's okay if you see the number six and i see the number nine now there's an argument well steve how do you know i see the number six okay you're seeing the number nine i see the number six it doesn't matter mm -hmm. what matters is is that we can take our differences of opinion Yes. And build off something better than where you and I were both at. And a sense of community is accepting. You don't have to condone that behavior. It's about accepting that other person. I like the movie Avatar, where it comes out, I see you. Yes. I yes. love that statement. I see you. And mm -hmm. a therapeutic sense and and... And in this totality of I see you, it's I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to run. Mm -hmm. Even though there might be something hard to see here, I still see you. I yes. value you because of what you contribute. And a sense of community provides that. And research has shown that when you don't have visual behind a mic you're able to reveal a lot more about mm -hmm. yourself in a text and i wonder and, and this is something maybe we could look at too the research behind the reason why we come out more when we don't see the other person and i wonder if it has to do with our acceptance of how we see ourselves in the mirror because you look at some of these TV shows, there's some that came out to where they did blind dating. Mm -hmm. 
they had the men and women meet in a room in the dark and they just talked to get a sense to see if this is somebody I would like to date further based upon personality and voice. Yes. Yes. And sometimes I wish our society was blind so that we can build a better society and to just love and to accept one another. And that's one of the things I talk about in the Christian faith. That's another community. I talk to my clients that, you know, in Christian faith, we talk about that confess your sin. For me, I don't like that because sin is a God term. It's a judgment term. I like to replace it with a sense of community. In other words, Julia, I really need to talk to you. And I want to confess my humanity with you. Mm. And we are able to accept each other without holding judgment. There we go. And when we do that, our community opens up a lot more. There's no difference between what you went through and I went through. You had a stroke. I had cancer. We both overcame. There's no sense of having a shame. Mm-hmm. Great. But you and I could come together and say, okay, how can you and I build better with our sense of community? Well, you and I are always exchanging medical knowledge. Yes. We have to. We have to be advocates. Yes. I kid you not, this week... You know, it's been, uh, what, almost eight weeks, seven weeks since I've been out of the hospital at ICU. The VA calls me yesterday or Friday and says, hey, we're trying to set up an appointment with you for a general surgeon. I'm like, are you, you got the right person here? And mm-hmm. she says, let me check. Yeah. And I said, what's this for? They want to remove your gallbladder. For what reason? I don't have any symptoms. For what reason? My oncologist said the sepsis was what was causing some of my organs to shut down. And my gallbladder was one of them that was becoming inflamed. You have to be an advocate of your medical Um, knowledge. Yeah. And your psychiatric knowledge. I mean, honestly, um, during my recovery, that was one of the, th- the, the tools that I used was self-advocacy is that understanding that there was no one that was going to represent me better than me. And um, I had to, you know, had learned to talk again. I had to learn to be around sounds and stimulus again and had to learn how to walk in, you know, through a doorway versus walking smack dab into the walls. And and still it was about every moment. What can I do right now? to stand up for me? How am I showing up for myself? And there's a saying that I I use on a a fairly regular basis with not every client, but when it's needed, I love you just because you are. Mm. And, um, and, and I think that when it comes to a sense of community, that truly that that's what the core of the feeling is, is that we are respected, accepted, understood, 
uh, by others, whatever the community is, okay, that we're showing up at, they just accept us for who we are. That doesn't mean that if we're going off and doing some crazy shit, that 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 um, they're going to be okay with that. Uh, there, you know, and or that there might not be consequences to follow. But in that space of just accepting who we are, they are going to be the ones that will show up and say, you know what? Let's talk about this for just a second. Are there any other options? Um, if it's a great idea, what resources can we pull in to to help support you in this? Um, just last week because I was going through a hormonal change, uh, just a, a really, I, I don't know that you and I have discussed this on here yet, but I had uh, the bioidentical pellet put into my right hip. And so it regulates all my hormones. I didn't realize until about two to three weeks prior that I was hitting menopause and, um, and the hot flashes were crazy insane. I'm pretty sure I was going a little bit crazy myself. I was like, oh my gosh, my world is imploding over here and, and I'm burning up while it's happening. Okay. A new star is fixing <laughs> to be born. Okay. Uh, and, um, and fast forward to that, um, at the time when, you know, one of the things that, uh, my, my doctor said was just don't make any rash decisions in the next 30 to 60 days, but while your hormones are learning to regulate in your system. And, and we might not think about that necessarily being a sense of community, but she definitely was the expert, um, um, piece of knowledge or resource, okay, to let me know that there's probably going to be some highs and there's going to be some lows and we flashing in and out. So not a time to make huge life decisions. Um, however, when it came to self-advocacy, we actually had to have the discussion to, you know, kind of bring this around that was I at more risk for not having the hormonal replacement for having another stroke or more at risk for having another stroke if I did the, the therapy. And it turned out that they were about even, in fact, maybe a little bit more uh, potential of it rehappening if I didn't get the hormonal replacement. Now, for me, I had to, I had to make that choice. It's not something that she could do. Okay. I had to go, I'm willing to take the risk because I'm just as much risk, if not a little bit more without it. Yet, Steve, by standing up for myself in that moment, mm -hmm. and I'd had other doctors that wouldn't touch it. Okay. They right. had taken that choice out of my hands and said, I won't touch it. And I get the liabilities and all that kind of stuff. But we have to do what is best for ourselves. And at the end of the day, I chose to to get the, the hormonal replacement. I am so grateful that I did. It is my life is beginning to even out a little bit more. That brain fog is lifting. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm happier to be around. I'm just going to say. Um, but is it, I think the self-advocacy element is so huge when it comes to connecting to various resources. And, you know, in our last episode, we were specifically talking about suicide and uh, prevention and how um, the resources uh, and sense of community, how that plays into our resources. Well, sometimes you got to be able to step out and go get what you want. And that means pulling in the help. If you're on that that's two or three seconds before you're getting ready to do something that could end your life, 
that's not the time to be discussing anything other than how quickly can I get somebody here? You, you know, know, the whole thing is about communication. Yep. In order to have community, you have to have the ability to talk about it mm-hmm. and and not have that fear. And and that's something we have to to address and work through about fear, about how do we get rid of this fear when we talk. Yes, we're afraid somebody's going to think, you know what? I don't care what people think. In regards to I had 34% chance of living. Okay. I'm a warrior. I'm a survivor. I have a long chance of living now. But because I talk about it, I built my own community of survivors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just with people I connected that I didn't know they had cancer either. And they were survivors. So it builds you up when you talk about, because you pull other people in, they may have been on an island of themselves because they thought, I don't want to talk about it because I'm ashamed of cancer. But when we talk about it and build support groups and things of that nature, it creates a whole plethora of ways of doing things. Julie, we're out of time. I really appreciate appreciate the sense of community that you and I have and the vast backgrounds that we can pull together to help our audience understand. Until next time, be safe. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind.